everybody listen to We're Not Wizards. Because we are the best. And we're not wizards. No matter what anybody says. Goodbye. suffering under the heat at the moment i really am i'm not built for the heat i think this is this is a scottish thing isn't it i'm just gonna cut i think my... this is like i just, we're, we're gonna I be the first to brain. die in the climate change apocalypse aren't we I'm just scottish scottish people are not built for anything probably above about 25 degrees and we're all going to go from like we're going to just everybody's going to go bright red just regardless of I think race, religion, creed, or whatever. I think as soon as you as soon as you become Scottish, you just automatically you burn. Regardless, yeah. I mean, if, if the if the weather doesn't make you turn bright red, then you know there's always the political climate. It's um, <laughs> oh, interesting times, isn't it? It's like two minutes in, you're dropping kind of um, politics in. So. Um, this Independence Cup and coming Independence vote's going to be interesting now that we've got. <laughs> It's not very good. It's not very good. Um, we spoke a while ago, like a long, not a long time ago, but a longish time ago. And at the time we were speaking, um, it was over a year ago, actually. It was almost, it's been 13 months. Can you believe that? It's almost been 13 wow. months to the day. And at that time, um, I think you were still, you were in the, the process of, I don't know if the the Kickstarter was actually running at the time for for the board game have, book. Oh, I think it would have been finished at that point, and we might have been on to pre-orders. But don't don't take my word for that because everything from the past years just kind of become a confusing blur in my mind. Um, but yeah, no, obviously a lot has happened since then. Uh, we got the book out, yes. and people have been largely very complimentary about it, which is great. Um, we got a, a really nice review from Tom Vassell of the Dice Tower, which yes. turns out to be a thing that really helps you sell books. So, yes, yeah. I mean, is it different in your experience? Was it different kind of putting the book together than it was kind of putting the scene from the kicks kind of Kickstarter games together? Was that kind of like a different, a kind of a different process? Were you able to kind of keep tweaking it for longer before you sent it to? the printers was the print turnaround quite a quick thing yeah yeah well when we actually so there were a couple of holdups on the the production side one mm. of those was caused by me losing a couple of weeks um at a kind of critical stage when uh, we had a, a kind of family illness that we needed to, to mm-hmm. deal with and thankfully that was all resolved mm-hmm. but it did um it, it basically meant that i lost the the couple of weeks i'd intended to take off from the, yeah. the day job to work on the book um so that set us back but um i mean we kind of extended the window of inclusion for games so we got some more recent stuff because we knew it was going to come out a bit later than we'd intended uh we got it out in time for the uk games expo and we had a fantastic time there um you know we actually we were quite conservative it turns out with the 
the number of books we took down. You know, we took one pallet down with us, yeah. and um, we thought, like, how many of these are we going to have to cart back? You know, on the train from Birmingham to Glasgow, and yeah. we sold the lot in a day and a half. So yeah, I was really pleased with that's, that, obviously, because if nothing amazing. else, it meant I could wander around on the Sunday and just play loads of games and just be a punter. Did you have a stand then? Did you have an actual stand yeah, set uh-huh. up? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We had a, a small stand. It was tucked away right at the the back of Hall Two, next to you know, um, you know the the kind of jewelry merchants and uh-huh. the um, the the dingier of the hot dog stalls and things like that. Um, so it was quite pleased that we 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 did as well as we did because you know we weren't you know we weren't right next to Fantasy Flight or Portal mm-hmm. Game. Well, we're quite close to Portal Games, actually. But, um, yeah, but, you know, people were really interested when they saw it and when they got their hands on it particularly. That was great, you know. I think people really appreciate having this um, this kind of physical product, something that they can kind of leaf through and look at. And I'd say at least 20% of people who stopped at the stand smelled the book, which was not something <laughs> I'd anticipated. You've got a smell. And I'm wondering book. whether we can... Yeah, well, I'm wondering whether we can put like some sort of like scented um, kind of, I don't know, essential oils or something in the ink for the next one. Maybe that would help us shift a few more copies. I don't know if it's just a, like a rule book thing. Maybe it's like a good luck thing. I don't know. Mm. What is it like? It's like the whole coffee thing, isn't it? You do get people that I know that they'll, they'll get, well, there's a, a couple of folk... I remember you used to work with folk who used to get really, really brassed off if you were in and kind of opened up the Nescafe Gold Blend before they did because they wanted to be in with a spoon and breaking the surface and then sniffing it wow. in like somebody in, the kind of, somebody in some kind of uh, chemical buzz or something like that. But yeah, I don't know. I think um, it's... The fre- Do you know what it is? It's the freshness of components and stuff like that. I had that... Um, I had it quite recently with... Um, I got sent a... I got sent a copy of Parks, and I don't know if you're aware of that. It's, right. It was um, that's it, the the U.S. National Parks yes. game with the, the really nice uh, kind of retro poster artwork. Yes, it's absolutely beautiful. But what one thing that is absolutely what is stunning in it is that it's got um, painted kind of uh, wooden tokens in it, and uh, they're 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 in game trays. So when you open up the top mm. of the game trays, you get this smell of kind of um, wood and almost like paint varnish kind of hitting wow. your nostrils at the same time. So it's quite a... Yeah. It, 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 it's kind of strange because it kind of adds a little bit to the kind of experience. I can completely understand that. Did you have kind of people coming up who'd backed the book as well and were just kind of coming up to yeah, kind of say yeah, hello? That was great. And, yeah, uh-huh. that was fantastic. And, um, you know, we did manage to post them all before Expo, because one of the things I really wanted to make sure was that the books were on their way to backers before they were kind of available to to buy for the general public. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we just kind of squeaked that out. So I was pleased with that. But um, yeah, you know, we got some great feedback. It was really nice to to meet people who'd given us their their support. Um, and yeah, it's. Um, I mean, that's the thing about Expo. Really, it's um, you know, it's such a, a for all that it's getting bigger, it's still quite a sociable gathering where you can meet people and you can have conversations mm-hmm. and, and things like that um so yeah it was a you know, great experience um obviously in terms of kind of selling all the books that we took to it but also in kind of meeting people having chats with them finding out what kind of stuff they're interested in because that you know that kind of informs what we're going to do for future editions yeah did you um 
based on because because I guess you can't really get the actual proper feedback until people have it kind of in their hands. And yeah. one of the things I love myself is the fact that the page where you've put the page numbers that you've not just put the page numbers at the bottom of the pages yeah the, the sections themselves you kind of you've sectioned them off so that you can actually easily find the sections based on the colors that you're kind of looking for which is kind of quite yeah which is kind of quite cool so all the complex strategy games are under are there kind of some kind of lovely chocolate brown you know, whereas if you're, you know, yeah. if uh, you're kind of in your gold kind of color and your medium kind of games, you're kind of like that's where that's where you can kind of find that. Um, was there kind of was there feedback that's you've kind of seriously kind of taken on board and said, well, actually, we've had a few people say it'd be great if you could have X Y Z in next then yeah, well, kind of the next volume. Yeah, the one thing we've heard from a couple of people is that they would like the spine to be a little bit different so they can lay it flat. Um, oh. And I think that's maybe so they can leave it on their, their coffee table, uh, you know, with a certain game open. Um, I don't know, maybe that's to drop hints for Christmases and anniversaries and things like that. Um, but yeah, that's that's one thing we've heard from a, a few folks. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that came up as a, a suggestion. Um, not really. Um, you know, for the most part, people have been just really complimentary about it. I've really kind of got what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just very, very pleased with how people have responded to it and that people have, uh, people have been enjoying it. And every time I see a, a kind of five star review on Amazon or someone <laughs> saying something nice about the book on Twitter yeah. or even, you know, people taking pictures when they see it in a shop, that's, um, you know, it's fantastic. It gets me quite excited. What's it been like with the distribution? Cause I'm, I'm guessing that the distribution for obviously the, the, the distribution for the book is going to be complete. Is it going to be different to the distribution for kind of like board games? Uh, well, in the UK it isn't because it's actually distributed through Asmodee. Oh, okay, um, well, that's fine. Then. So, <laughs> yeah, um, just because they have, you know, they've got the best mm-hmm. um, kind of connections with, with retailers in uh, in the, the industry. And then for the book trade, we're distributed through Gardeners, which is the, the kind of biggest. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, the biggest book distributor in the UK. Um, so... It's, it's kind of interesting because obviously Asmodee are a games company, so they really get kind of what we're trying to do. Um, they're, you know, quite enthusiastic and, you know, geeky about it themselves because everyone who works there is a, a, a you know, you, you couldn't really work there without being interested in games. Yeah. Um, with the, the book trade side of things, it's a little, you know, it takes a little bit more explaining. Um, I mean, some bookstores are great, like um, kind of Heifers in Cambridge, which is part of the Blackwells chain. Yeah. Um, really loved it. And they kind of got an order in straight away. Um, and they are actually pretty big, uh, you know, games retailers in their, their own right. Um, I know the Edinburgh one is like the hub of, of Scottish X-Wing. Um, and the, the Cambridge store has a, a games area that's bigger than most game stores. So, yeah, yeah. And yeah they were, they were kind of really into it. Um, you know, other places like Waterstones, they've got it on special order. So someone has to actually come in and ask for it before they'll, they'll sell it to them, which is a bit of a bummer. Um, but I mean, we've still, you know, we've still sold quite a few through them. So, um, hopefully, you know, with, uh, with the next edition, we can say, Hey, Look how well this did for us last year. Mm-hmm. Are you sure you don't want to to make some money from gamers who, believe it or not, like to spend money on gaming things? It's, it's this weird thing that we have. <laughs> Has it given you kind of confidence yourself a bit more as well? Because I mean, I guess the the founding 
one of the foundations of a writer is you have to have a level of kind of almost a little bit of arrogance and confidence in your work because otherwise why the hell would you put it out there for kind of people to read? Oh god, I'm read? screwed then. <laughs> um, but you know, in terms of you, you know, you you've got this, you know, you've got this fabulous tome. Um, people are reading it. People are seeing some positive things about it. Has that kind of helped boost your kind of your your confidence to say, right, okay, well, what else can I do? You know, is there a market here to to crack into? You know, genres of games. You know, produce different kind of volumes, kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely looking at. You know, we're already working on volume two, mm-hmm. um, and we're looking to uh, take that to Kickstarter at the start of September. All right. Okay. Um, and yeah, um, I mean, there's some stuff that I haven't announced yet, but I suppose it probably, you know, here seems like as, as good a place to announce it as any. Um, we're going to have some new folks joining the team. Excellent. Um, so Matt Thrower is going to be joining us again. Um, he did a great job for us on the, the last edition. And so is Richard Jensen Parks, who is yes. our RPG specialist. Um, this time around, we've got Dan Jolin, uh, who's oh, going to be yeah. for us as well, who yeah. is, uh, you know, fantastic. Um, game and movie critic. He's a kind of regular contributor to Empire, the big film yeah, magazine. Yeah, yeah. No. Um, just a you know, great writer. And uh, we also have Anna Blackwell uh, coming onto the team. And um, she is, uh, you know, she plays a heck of a lot of stuff across a, a wide spectrum of games. Everything from kind of um, kind of indie RPGs through to party games, through mm-hmm. to more um, kind of complex and involved stuff. But um, again, just a really accomplished writer and uh yeah uh so that's a slightly bigger team which believe me is something that we really wanted to to put together after last year's experience because it's quite a bit of work and um just you know more perspectives and more um opinions and you know it just it kind of widens the discussion it means we can play more stuff and consider more stuff yeah um and yeah so it's uh it's that's uh, where, where we're at just now. And uh, the other kind of difference in volume two is that we're not going to repeat any of the content from the first book. Um, so that means things like uh, we had a get into gaming guide in the first book, yeah, yeah. Um, which was our kind of run through of what we reckon are great gateway kind of introductory games for new players. Um, obviously, we can't just run that again. So no. we're going to have a bit more space for um, the actual kind of the actual game's criticism and the designer interviews. So there's going to be more pieces that are kind of four-page spreads rather than two-page spreads. So mm-hmm. we can go into, you know, we get higher word counts for individual games. We can go into a bit more depth because um, a lot of people told us they really enjoyed the the longer pieces most. Um, yeah, so. yeah. I think um, I think that's just because there's usually reviews aren't usually or even previews or written content usually isn't a massive, huge thing. It usually kind of goes around about the... You're lucky if you get around about 500 words, you know, Mm. kind of out there. So some of the longer articles, it is nice to almost see like an extended kind of article on something and learn an awful lot more about the different facets of the the game itself, which is always Mm. really, really interesting. And I mean, that can be a bit of a challenge because I think, um, you know, with... With game reviews, I think there's a, a, you know, obviously different people have different tastes and I'm not saying there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it, but, um, I don't really go so much for the, the stuff that goes into kind of explanation of, of rules and mechanisms. I really prefer, um, something that focuses more on kind of how a game feels to play rather than kind of how it works on a, a mechanical level. 
Um, so you really need the right games to give that level of attention to, like um, Twilight Imperium, for instance. Yeah. We did a, a four-page spread on that in the the first book, and I really felt that you know I could I could attack another thousand words onto that because it was um, you know it's just such a just you know the word epic get used gets used a lot in reference to games and it's often misused, but I think it's totally appropriate there because it's just such a deep um, kind of complex representation of this kind of grand scale space opera um i mean you know i think uh what else got a, a longer piece brass birmingham did yes um and i mean i would love to have gone into a bit more detail on things like castell which i really enjoyed last year um so yeah and then the other thing that we're interested in doing is expanding slightly on the kind of family friendly games because um, I think that's really something that gets overlooked because so much of the game's media is quite geeky and quite kind of enthusiastic, you know, kind of folks like, like you and me. Um, but, you know, as a parent, I really value having games that I can play with my six-year-old or my 15-year-old yes. when he'll deign to actually speak to me. Um, and, I, I, you know, I think that there are some fantastic designers working on more family-friendly stuff and it's kind of flying under the radar. Um, because the folks who are making YouTube videos or kind of uh, publishing blog posts tend to be um, kind of dudes in their dudes in their thirties, you know. Yeah, and uh, focusing on the stuff that appeals to them. Yeah, and there's there's always as a, as a continually bang the drum. There's always a, a focus to kind of focus on the new, the kind of new and exciting. I've tried to. I wrote. Yeah. I put a, uh-huh. I, yeah, I put a piece out today which was. I kind of opened it with saying that I tried to get the emotional side of it. It was all about Wildlands, which I kind of had an interesting experience where I had a first... I don't know if you've played Wildlands yourself. Yeah, I have. Um, And I had an interesting experience where I played it two-player for the first time, got through the rules, because it's a really small rule book. It's really easy and Mm -hmm. immediate to get in and play. And I played it with one of my friends and had an absolutely fantastic time. We just rattled through a couple of games, one after the other, because it was so easy to keep going. With that enthusiasm, I then, last week there, tried to sit down with four friends and said, look, you've got to try this game, it's amazing. And it kind of fell flat a bit. That's exactly the experience that that I had with my group. And I think the, the kind of reason for that, as far as I could see, mm-hmm. is that because you've got... So in Wildlands, if anyone hasn't played it, everything is done using a hand of cards. So you yeah. spend cards to take actions, whether mm-hmm. you're kind of moving and attacking on your turn or defending on an opponent's turn. Um, and if that means that if you kind of splurge all your cards and you make a big kind of sweeping attack across the board, you're left without much to defend yourself with. Yes. And, you know, if you've got one player who's going to counterattack, you can maybe survive that. Mm-hmm. If you've got three people who are all going to jump on you the moment your kind of defenses are down, um, I think, it, you know, that's that I, like you, I've had great experiences approach. with Wildlands, but with, yeah, with four players, it just didn't hold up for me. Yeah. As I said, I'd like to, I think I summed up by saying I'd like those people that played it in four player to actually go back and experience the joy that I had it with a two player. And I'd also mm-hmm. like to see myself how I could play it as a four player to kind of get as it sounds like it was going to end up being a completely different game. Because as you know, you're playing it two player, you're kind of back and forward, back and forward. And it is almost like a, it's almost like a, it becomes quite tactical and it almost becomes a little bit chess like in you deciding, well, I've mm-hmm. got to do here, I've got to keep these cards here. So it was kind of in, but it was more, 
I, I mentioned the mechanics, but it was more a case of the, the kind of the emotional, <laughs> the emotional turmoil of saying, of and there's nothing worse than saying to somebody, "This is fantastic," and then at the end him saying, "Well, it was okay," and but I wouldn't mm. go to the shelf and choose it myself. I'd probably I'd play it if somebody put it out into the table. And to me, I was just like, "Damn, did we play different games?" And it kind of turned yeah. out that we kind of that we kind of that we kind of had. Um, have you thought of kind of as well as kind of doing the kind of the board game book of kind of doing other kind of offshoots of it or is it just so much bloody work because I, I mean <laughs> it takes it takes hours to write you know it does take hours to write kind of like a thousand piece review or preview or whatever did you find was the process of putting this together was it difficult because you were trying to make it read well to a broader audience instead of maybe yeah, just your well, readers. You know, I've um, I've written for some quite general audiences in the past when I've done stuff for kind mm. of you know, um, so, you know, a piece for the Guardian um, would be for a much more kind of general audience than a piece for Ars Technica or for Tabletop Gaming Magazine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I mean, there's a couple of principles we stuck to. We actually published a, a well. Um, I actually kind of wrote a full style guide for the the contributors. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we said is try not to kind of use too many bits of gamer terminology because there's going to be a substantial audience coming to this book that has never heard terms like deck building or dudes on a map or area control. Yeah. And things that are quite intuitive to, to us might not necessarily be quite so clear to somebody who's coming to the hobby for the first time. Um, so it's kind of striking that balance between kind of making it clear to inexperienced or kind of newer players what we're talking about and not kind of explaining the the absolute basics for people who are a bit more, you know, have a, a, a few few years of gaming under their belt. Did you find you were more critical then when you were going through the editing process that you were kind of having to step back and say, oops, I've... I've kind of used some jargon here that nobody's going yeah, to get. Uh-huh. Did you have did that? Did that end up kind of? I take it that must have ended up kind of taking longer than. Yeah, the I mean that's kind of the thing. Particularly, yeah, the the pieces for the book that I wrote myself were in a way kind of more difficult to edit because your brain sometimes reads what you meant to write instead of what you've actually written. Mm. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, but we were quite fortunate. We had um, everything. And the book went through, went past at least three pairs of eyes before we went to print, which definitely saved us some, uh, some blushes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, my dad worked with me. Um, he is a, a retired journalist himself. Um, All right. Okay. So, and, and the other interesting thing is, you know, he isn't a gamer. He knows, he knows a hell of a lot more about games now that he's helped me <laughs> with this, uh, <laughs> with this book. But, um, you know, he came in as a complete outsider. So if there was something that didn't make sense, he was actually a really useful guy to, yeah. To have that perspective from, and then um, I had a, a couple of friends who looked it over for me as well. One of whom is a, you know, is, uh, works in communications and PR, so is quite used to kind of parsing stuff and you know reading things and seeing whether it's clear or not. And one of whom is one of uh, is a, a, a journalist as well. So yeah, it's had um, it's had quite a going over uh, before it got into a state we were happy to to release it in. And even still, we've got uh, uh, a small. Uh, list of uh, kind of typos and things that made it through the net that we're going wow. to correct in the in the second print run. So, but you know, I think we're I think we're at three errors that we're aware of. So that's a that's a pretty low 
ratio, I think. That is, yeah, I mean, that is kind of, that is kind of pretty low. Um, out of the three, those errors, whose fault was it? The, um, who was- oh, I'm the editor. <laughs> Ultimately, it all comes down to me. Um, <laughs> Get with his charge, send them, send them down, <laughs> as they would say. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, the plan, you said you're mentioning kind of um, volume two, Coming to coming to Kickstarter very very soon. Are you going to be keeping it round about the same, the same price? Did 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 I mean was that one of the things that you did you say? Well, we got this exactly right. Um, yeah. Well, I really kind of agonised over that. I mean, we released it at twenty three pounds RRP, and um, the kind of basis for that was I looked at books on video games. You know, hardback hardback mm-hmm. books with about the same page count. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the, the the sort of price that most of them came in at. Um, you know the like, kind of big uh, Dark Souls art book and oh yeah, um, I've got that. Yeah. The... All right, okay. Um, so yeah, that that was our kind of guideline. But obviously, they're not quite the same kind of product. No. Um, and we didn't know if people would go for it. But um, yeah, we've had we only had one woman uh, complaining at UK Games Expo about it, and that's the only negative thing I've heard about price. Um, and she said, oh, I don't think you'll sell many at that price. And then, uh, you know, 18 hours later, they were all gone. So <laughs> just what? imagine, just imagine you walking past seeing that same person just say, here, catch the pallet. It's not going to be that heavy this time because it's empty because yeah. we sold everything. Okay. Um, but that uh, would be yeah. me. That wouldn't be you. You're obviously a much okay. more gentler soul. Well, <laughs> But no, I am the kind of person that I will listen to one piece of criticism before I listen to a hundred pieces of praise. Um, And kind of one of the things that I've tried to work on in recent years is to be a bit less negative on myself. Yes. Um, And I think certainly just having a a project like like this um, and kind of getting through the difficulties that have been involved with it and getting something out that people seem to value and enjoy and that want, you know, people telling us they want to come back and support the next one. um, It does, it kind of lifts you up a bit, you know, on a, a, a personal level. So. Does it? I mean, does it fill you with a quiet confidence that the next one, well, it's it's potentially a done a done deal, or are you still a little bit nervous to say, look, we really need to, we still need to treat this almost like our first Kickstarter? That this, yes, this is the second edition, but how many people are gonna are gonna go out and buy that? Have you have you, have you consciously been looking at the ways of kind of reaching out to people and marketing in it and things like that again yeah well the great thing is we're not starting from zero this time we have an audience you know we can um you know if we put out an update to our backers from the the first campaign Mm -hmm. they'll know that the second one's happening the other thing is that um we've had quite a few people get in touch saying you know i would have backed this kickstarter if i'd seen it i just didn't know it was happening no right um so that that again is encouraging but um i mean we're not taking anything for granted um we're going to keep the the kind of size of the book the same we're going to keep the um the price the same uh the costs for us are going to go up a little bit because we do have a, a bigger team of contributors yeah um and we do you know we we you know one of the things that i wanted to do right from the start was to kind of pay people a, a decent rate for their work because i know that um you know there are people out there, you know, more in the more in the video game space, it seems, than in tabletop games, but who are offering people really uh, kind of low rates for their work or kind of 
offering them work for exposure. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And it's just, you know, as someone who's freelanced in various places for years and knows how much of a, a kind of a struggle that can that can be at times, I just um, wanted to make sure that we weren't, you know, that we, we were treating people right and uh, kind of paying them. Sorry, it, it does mean that the it does mean that it's not a cheap book to to put out. You know, yeah. um, it's also on kind of very nice paper, uh, very nice print process, nice nice big hardback. Um, but hopefully, people appreciate those uh, those aspects and they are willing to to come back and, and back it again. And we'll bring in some new folks. And I'm going to pester you and everyone else who's got a podcast or a blog or a, a YouTube channel and um, just try and. I mean, the plan is to try and build the the audience over a number of years. Um, and you know, the the first one seems to have got off to a good start. And uh, hopefully, it just goes places from here. Did you get um, people contacting you through the Kickstarter and saying, oh, would you consider taking other submissions? Did you get a couple of people saying, listen, I'm I, I'm a really good writer that writes really good in that. Here's my 400-page um, kind of takedown of Sushi Go. Would you consider adding yeah, that well, to your I, book, pal? I, we did. Um, we got a few people getting in touch. Um, I, I didn't really see anybody's work. Um because yeah. at that point, you know, by the time it was on the Kickstarter, the process was was locked in. Um, mm-hmm. So even if someone had kind of been the the George Orwell or the uh, you know the the Raymond Chandler of of board game writing, um, we wouldn't have been able to, to add them in at that point. Um, obviously, the team's got a little bit bigger for the next one. Um, yeah. We also have people who have asked us if they could be involved in future editions, and it all just really depends on on how well this one does. Um, but yeah, I mean, one of the great things is there are just some great, um, tabletop writers out there at the moment. And I think that writing is something that people don't really appreciate the importance of because so much of the gaming media is in, you know, audio or video formats. Um, but that all, you know, you need to have the basic skills of being able to structure a, a piece and convey information clearly and know your audience. And, you know, even if you're not producing, a piece of of text to be consumed by a reader you know it's still a, a process of writing and editing um and there are some people out there who are doing doing great work in it you know um the the guys that shut up and sit down are fantastic at it yeah. no pun included um you know uh folks like uh dan thoreau yes um yeah the guy who runs space biff yes. uh, i think he's fantastic uh folks like charlie thiel um sam Desatoff. Um, and yeah, uh, it, it does have to be said, it seems to be mostly guys who are getting the attention. And if there are, you know, some, uh, some great kind of women and non-binary authors or, or bloggers out there uh, that I don't know about, I would love to hear about them. Yeah. I, I kind of, yeah, I kind of, it's kind of weird because I, I kind of want to, sh- I kind of like, see when I'm doing the podcast, I want to say like, well, anybody can get in contact with me. And I also want to say, you know, especially if you're a person of colour, you know, female, whatever. But then I feel like, oh, am I just throwing out that there? And I feel a bit awkward about it. But I think sometimes you need to kind of say that in order to get, you know, certain people kind of getting in contact with you. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. for other people, it's yeah. just a case of, yeah, I'm just going to get in contact with you because... 
I'm used to just reaching out to people and saying hello. Where there are some people who are like, well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure. And I think sometimes if you don't put the invite out there, then you can't be surprised if you kind of don't get the response. But yeah, I mean, we're always happy to have, you know, anybody on the show. Um, at all from any walk of life and we've always you know we've always kind of said that and that's always been our um one of our kind of one of the things that we've always done since the beginning of the show and uh, yeah i totally understand where you're kind of kind of coming from um with you know looking for kind of writers from kind of different backgrounds as well is there anybody that's on the scalping list that you would like to have in the book if there could be anybody that you would like to be in, like, this, the third edition or the fourth edition, um, that you'd like to have kind of writing something? Yeah, I mean, some of the names I've already mentioned would be great to to have involved. Um, hmm. Obviously, we do need to keep the, the team within the limits of the, the budget. Um, hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as I say, there are some, some really fantastic uh, people writing about, about games at the moment. And uh, it's just, you know, ultimately that's good for the hobby and the industry and for the, you know, I think that criticism is a, a vital part of any artistic medium if you want to sound all highfalutin about it. Um, and, yeah, if, you know, if we are in a position in the, the next couple of years to bring in more people and kind of support that critical process, then it would be fantastic to, to do that. Yeah, I think we're still at the beginning of that. I think we're still finding our feet with regards mm-hmm. to there being kind of like proper criticism of the hobby. And I don't mean that, I mean critiquing. You know, I don't mean somebody running mm-hmm. in and going, this is all rubbish and then running out again. With yeah, I mean, there's, plenty, there's plenty of that, obviously. <laughs> there's plenty of that going about at the moment. Um, and I think you're right, you know, I think there there's needs to be a little bit more introspection and breaking things down a little bit more and not just talking about hey here's a game this is how you play it this is what I think but as you said kind of getting the emotional intelligence kind of behind it and kind of finding out why I want to play it and what I felt when I played it and that kind of thing and thinking beyond just the normal demographic of kind of kind of board gaming what was interesting was um, speaking of outside the normal demographic of board gaming that um Wingspan was announced that it won the big award. it won one of the big awards at the Spiel des Jahres. Um which nice you, segue. Would, <laughs> I just ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, were you surprised at that? Were you kind of ex- Um not not massively because um you know I'd, I'd heard really good things about it mm. um the presentation looked lovely i haven't played it this is this is one of the downsides of having a, a kind of team that you're collaborating with is that you do have to farm out some of the the work to um to other people yeah um so i i have not had the opportunity to play wingspan um but i mean certainly i think that it, um, it obviously received a lot of attention um the, the components look lovely. The theme was something fresh and something that's going to kind of grab people's, grab people's, you know, attention that the 900th game about orcs pillaging a castle full of zombies, um, probably wouldn't. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was, I was glad to see something different being recognized and something different doing well. Yeah. I must admit, it was kind of the, it was kind of the same. I kind of thought it was definitely going to be. It was definitely going to be there. It was definitely going to get mentioned, and I think um, Elizabeth um, themselves have been very strong on the advocacy of, you know, 
if I've done this and if I've come from nowhere, then anybody can come along with a really good idea and and kind of make something out of it, which was which was good. And it was an interesting game because I th- I don't think it was one of these things. Hey, look, here's a game that's come out of nowhere and everybody loves kind of thing. I think it actually the people that I know who have played it, um, including Steve, who writes for the show. Um, he's sat down a couple of times with it, and he says he's enjoyed it kind of every single, every single time. And one of the things he likes is, as you said, it's the theme. It's it's kind of took a lot. I think I took a lot, a lot of folk by surprise. And we had Elizabeth on the show, and she was very determined and very focused about where she kind of wanted to be. And I think that kind of helps. I don't think it was a an award for the sake of giving an award. I think it was very, very no. much kind of well earned. I think. <laughs> Surprisingly enough, I've heard more people say more controversial things about just one that was one that really? kind of won. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, I've had a really good time with just one. Um, I haven't played it, but I've seen a couple of folk kind of say, oh, here we go. It's the mind all over again. And I'm just like... No, it isn't. Is it not just people having fun and having kind of game fun and gathering people around and having a damn good time? Isn't that the whole yeah. whole point of it? And I mean, the spiel des is the whole premise is that it's meant to be awarded to games that anyone can can sit down and play. Exactly. And I think that, um, you know, the, the Kenner spiel obviously is something a little bit different, but I think that expecting, um, you know, a, a level of complexity out of the, the spiel winner that appeals to kind of grizzled, beardy kind of geeks in, in game stores um, is probably unreasonable. Yeah, I mean, if you look at things like previous winners, I mean, like your, you know, King Domino and things like that. This world, I yeah. mean, you know, there are a lot of they're absolutely fantastic games, but as you say, they're they're kind of there to for people to, to have fun. I've played King Domino with a lot more non-gamers than I have with what I would consider people who have a kind of a foot in the hobby. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of interesting. So just yeah. and there see. is almost a kind of there's a kind of hipster snobbishness. You know, it's like there's there's the equivalent of um, you know, oh, you like that band? Well, I like this band. You probably wouldn't have heard of them. You know, um, I think there is a, an element of that sometimes. I think there's always a there's always a difficult shift over when things start to become kind of more and more mainstream. I think you get um, it's like the interesting things somebody said to me the other day about TV shows. How you're starting to see um, more and more games being mentioned within TV shows. I mean, they were talking mm. about um, what was it? What was on um, Killing Eve? The last episode of Killing Eve that I saw, they were all sitting around playing Dixit, right? <laughs> for goodness sake! And <laughs> you know, a couple of years ago, folk would have been saying, "Oh, that's amazing! They've got kind of like a board game in a mainstream TV show." And now I see a little couple of people go, "Oh, for goodness sake, Dixit!" You know, it's just that kind of thing, and it's like, but you're kind of getting where you want the thing I'm to be, which is that everybody, you know? exactly where you want kind of people to be. But it's the same in any hobby, you know. Regardless, I'm sure it's the same with like guys who are into fishing shows and stuff like that. They would have been, you know, screaming at Boris Johnson about his kipper um, yeah. when he was showing it on kind of on kind of TV. Are you going to get any downtime then? I mean, are you still able to um, get stuff to the table? yourself if you manage yeah, to kind of uh-huh. get well that's that's i mean it is a challenge at times mm-hmm. um you know 
obviously I have kind of family commitments and I do freelance work in, in various yeah. places. Um, you know, I've left the Guardian now, um, which frees up a bit of time, but puts a hell of a lot more pressure on my, uh, <laughs> my bank account. Um, but yeah, I mean, one of the things about writing about games and doing the book in particular is that sometimes you play the games that you have to play rather than the games that you want to play. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, particularly if stuff's commissioned by by other outlets. Um, and kind of one of the the challenges is to approach games with a level of kind of curiosity and enthusiasm and open mindedness um, that they deserve, even if it is the you know the fourth thing that you've played that night, um, and you just you just want to go to bed. Um, but you know. It's not digging ditches. It's not. Um, it's not a, a great hardship. And if that's the the most difficult aspect of of the job, then I'm not going to complain about it. Do you, are you do you try and change change your style? I mean, I know we mentioned this earlier, on, but do you are you conscious of? Do you constantly review how you write to try and change yeah. your style or improve on the style or improve on how you're kind of talking talking to people yeah. about the game? I mean, I think just stylistically, I used to have this thing for threes. Um, I, would, I would structure sentences, and this is getting a bit geeky and technical. No. But, um, you know, I would say, you know, it's, um, you know, it's this, it's this, and it's this. And I, I just felt I was using that a bit too much. And it also reminded me of Tony Blair, because I noticed <laughs> that he kind of employed that a lot in a lot of his speeches. Yeah. Um, and it made me feel deeply uncomfortable on a fundamental level. So, uh, yeah, so that's more or less gone now. Um, and I mean, it's, it's really, I know I mentioned George Orwell earlier. There are two, um, kind of main influences on my writing. One is George Orwell. Um, and if anyone has, uh, not read politics in the English language, um, I think that is, you know, it's a, it's a short read and it's well worth, well worth a look. Um, and it really emphasizes kind of clarity. And um, and straightforwardness, which I think are the the two most important things that that any writer should should work towards. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the other is Harold Evans, who was the uh, the editor of the Times and wrote a book called Newsman's English, which has been re uh, retitled uh, uh, English for Journalists. I think um, you know, in, in recognition of the fact that you know women actually work in journalism and. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a, another really great resource. The copy I've got is uh, is actually my dad's, and it's quite old and battered, and contains lots of references to reporting on the Soviet Union and things like that, which might not be, you know, the the subject matter might not be relevant so much these days. But um, the you know the the actual kind of technique and the the thought process behind a lot of it is still um, really valuable and something that I've kind of taken a lot of uh, love um, inspiration from. Is there, is there enough money within the media side for you to continue kind of doing this on a, on a kind of a freelance basis, or are you are you having to kind of look further afield to kind of just be a writer within another, another kind of field to keep you know to keep going? Yeah, so in media overall, you can you can put a, a living together, but it's it, it gets 
tougher um you know people have smaller budgets to to commission from um, and if you're freelance then anytime you you kind of pitch something to an outlet then you have to have some sort of compelling reason why you should write it and not someone that they've already got on staff you know yeah, so yeah. having a having a specialism and having kind of contacts that other people don't have um can be really valuable um but in games specifically um i have been kind of trying to build up a, a couple of different kind of um places that i can work for so ars technica are you know they're great they're part of Condé Nast and they're they're fantastic to work for um obviously there's the book now uh there's tabletop gaming magazine and that just you know what the the team have done there and kind of making this you know going from this kind of quarterly kind of niche publication to something that comes out every month and gives people like me a, a regular source of places to 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 write is fantastic um so yeah you know it's it's about piecing kind of three four things together um and trying to to make it work at the moment um mm-hmm. uh, i'm looking at doing some kind of feature pieces elsewhere um i'm looking at doing some potentially some travel writing as well all right um okay. so um yeah so the bulk of what i'm doing is games writing uh i'm also looking at a couple of other um kind of possible publishing opportunities because having brought the board game book out um you know through a lot of trial and error i've got the the kind of basic process of of kind of producing and and you know uh, distributing a, a book um and there are a couple of other subjects i'd quite like to look at i'd like to do i can't really say too much about it just now but i've, I've been speaking to some folks about potentially a, a kind of kids science related thing yeah um because i'd love to to just do stuff that even if it's not related to gaming is still quite nerdy um and you know the the kind of opportunity to maybe work with some some other writers and to publish their stuff is is really attractive as well so it's um it's all stuff that i'm looking into and um you know if all else fails i can i don't know cross that bridge when i come to it (laughs) some other way to pay the mortgage <laughs> exactly i mean it's just uh, as i say you kind of you kind of do what you can at the time and kind of keep it going but i mean the book is doing really really well um you've got that could be obviously a continual a continual kind of thing which is kind of cool i was gonna ask if people want to kind of keep an eye on what you are going to be up to how do they find you on the internet? How if they want to get a copy of this fabulous book, which is currently keeping me nice and fanned? Yeah, um, where can they? Where can they get a copy? Well, the cool thing about being distributed through Asmodee and Gardeners is that they can get it in literally any game store or bookstore, even if they don't Ooh. have it in stock. If you go in and ask for it, they'll be able to look it up. And there's a a big complex international system that will um, tell the the Andy kind of shopkeeper where they can where they can get it so definitely support your local bookstore and your local game store um failing that you can get it online you can get it through the the big uh, the big bad amazon um you can yeah it's sort of a, a necessary evil really um but you can also if you look at our website which is boardgame-book.com um, we've got a list of different sites that stock it in the, the US and the UK. Mm. We've actually just sorted out distribution for Australia as well. So it will oh, be awesome. available in shops there very soon and uh, New Zealand. 
Um, the one thing we're looking for is a US um, kind of game trade distributor, and it's a bit of a it's kind of a harder sell to the US distributors because they don't have like they didn't grow up with the Beano annual. Yes. Um, so you say like it's a hardback book that comes out every year, and it doesn't set off this kind of flood of nostalgic memories for them. Stick a GI um, Joe sticker on the front end, they'll be all over it like tramp on chips. Yeah. Could do, could do. I could, uh, we'd probably get sued by Mattel, but... We could call it something you know, else. You could call it HG. G.I. Jim. there you go. Yeah. Problem solved. The Scottish, Scottish <laughs> militaristic superhero. <laughs> Sounds really, really good. <laughs> Stitch that. <laughs> I think this is becoming a pitch meeting, isn't it? Yeah. It could be. It could be. There's a whole, there's a whole, I have a pl- whole plethora of, of kind of uh, so ideas. That's his franchise to me. That's like... <laughs> Yeah, I'm, like I'm smelling. I'm smelling the stuff. plastic of the toys and the the hum of the PlayStation fours as the video games are there on its free to play, with its various kind of costumes that you can buy and bankrupt your kind of your parents. Um, what about your good self? Where can we find you on the internet? Yeah, you can get me on uh, Twitter. I am Owen underscore Duffy. Uh, you can. Um, also follow the book on Twitter, which is board game book, all one word. Mm-hmm. Um, I signed up for that Instagram thing. Oh yeah, although, like, it's owned by it's owned by Facebook, and I hate Facebook. I just I hate it. Words cannot express how creepy and intrusive and socially disruptive and nasty and pernicious and just generally crap I find Facebook. And Mark Zuckerberg just seems like like he seems like a guy who has dark secrets. I don't know what they are, but he definitely has them. <laughs> I think was he not in like, the new was he not in the new Picard trailer at the end? Oh, <laughs> now that you mention it, I think I think um, that was him. Either that know, was data. I don't want to say anything derogatory about a guy who has such expensive lawyers, but just tell me, like, see if somebody found bodies in his back garden. Would you be entirely surprised? I'd be surprised if he hadn't eaten some of them. <laughs> Yeah, he's got this rule that he only eats things that he's killed himself. Which, Something like, like you know, if yeah. I was a, if I was a Facebook he's employee had... that was behind on my my targets, I'd be a bit worried. Exactly, I'm getting Hannibal Lecter. You know, they sent a programmer yeah. to test me the other day. I ate his liver <laughs> with some father beans and a nice Chianti. <laughs> and on you go. But yeah, um, so the 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 long and short of it is, yes, we are on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we're, we're on Instagram owned by potential cannibal uh, Mark Zuckerberg but um, he'll be delighted we're, we're he, listens, be- he listens to the show so he'll, he'll <laughs> big be fan, delighted big fan he'll, big, he's a big um, fan of the show board game book on that as well so come and find us awesome awesome I'll put um, all those links into the show notes so that we have got notes to show um, thanks very much for coming on yeah, it's no worries. Been, it's always good to chat. It's I can't believe it's been a year. I'm always getting embarrassed now because it's like oh, it's not been that long ago. And then I look back at like kind of Skype history, and then it's like, oh, it has been that long ago. This is terrible. But yeah, um, at least it's at least it's not me and my auntie. You know, <laughs> I know you'd just be getting like 52 minutes of a complete guilt trip. But um, yeah. awesome. I can only wish you the best of luck with the 
the Kickstarter when it comes out. Um, obviously, we will make sure that we plaster that link when it is live all across the internet webs as well. Awesome. Um, and The other this- thing I should really mention is that um, we will probably be doing a very small Kickstarter campaign for the second printing. All right, cool. um, because we're just about sold out the the print run, so keep an eye out for that. That'll be in the next couple of weeks, and it'll only be a you know a small target, um, mm. really simple. You know, pay pays your money, gets your book, and oh, cool. uh, yeah, hopefully people will uh, help us to to keep it available and crucially give us stock for Christmas because that would be nice. Well, we'll make sure that we when you send that over to me, I will make sure that is spread far and wide as well, sir, because it is the least I can do. Um, if Super. you. If you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, go to the internet web, search for We Are Not Wizards, and you'll find us on various places, worn out faces, worn out places like, you know, we are on Instagram because we're internet tarts, and we're on Facebook, and we're on our website, and we've got our blog, which we write stuff on, which is blogs. We're not wizards.blogspot.com and we're on YouTube. Um, and you can find us all on the podcast catchers of your choice, um, especially the ones that use the word pod and the word cast in them, and all these other ones that apparently don't use the word pod or cast in them either. Um, if you like what you've listened to, there's a couple of things you can do. Tell someone else. It's always nice to be recommended. Or tell somebody you don't like, because it's always nice to maybe torture somebody that (laughs) annoys you with my voice but maybe not Owen's Um, the other thing you can do is jump onto Apple Podcasts and give us a rating or a review Um, and if you are going to be giving us a rating or a review or a subscription um, remember not to give us 10 stars because it makes us big headed but don't give us one star because it makes me cry and I'm hot and bothered enough as it is give us something in the middle like a 5 because it's average we're just a little bit average but the person who's not been average tonight is a rather wonderful, rather fantastic Mr. Owen Duffy. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much for having me. You're very, very welcome. Um, there's only two more things to do. First thing is to remember that we're many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards? That depends. Do you count mages? Um, No. Right, then we're not wizards. Fantastic. And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Owen. Say goodbye, Owen. Goodbye, Owen. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe. Roll sixes. Make something awful. And, um, you know, if you're kind of liking your cardboard and you fancy actually liking a bit of some paper instead, get yourself a copy of this fantastic thing that I'm holding in my hands right now because it's wonderful. Listen to it flick. Smell the glue. But until the next time, goodbye. A wizard is never late. Nor is he early. 
He arrives precisely when he means to. 